Hey everyone, welcome to the audio version of the 100% Wild Podcast. And in this episode, Matt Drury and I are taking a slightly different approach, and we're simply discussing a topic that we've gotten many questions about over the past few years, and that's working in the outdoor or hunting industry. And I actually wrote an article about this a few months back on wiredhunt.com, so this whole topic was kind of fresh on my mind. So if this is a subject you're interested in, be sure to check out that past article. And otherwise, though, I think that if you've ever considered or dreamed about working in the outdoor world in some way, you know, I think we might have a thought or two that you'll find helpful in this episode. So take a listen, and I hope you do find it helpful. All right, welcome to a sort of bonus episode of the 100% Wild Podcast. Mark Kenyon here with Wired to Hunt. With me is my buddy, Matt Drury. And today, we're actually going to kind of do something different. Um... Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but you and I both get a lot of questions about not just hunting, but also the hunting industry, you know, how to work with the things that we love, deer hunting and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I mean, that's probably the number one question outside of why did you guys get rid of DVDs? That's probably <laughs> the number one question I get, you know, in the, you know, via email or on social media. It's always, how can I break in? And I think... I can always tell when it's a younger person sending sending us an email, like a high school age kid. It, it just you, the email is structured a little yeah, differently. Yeah. But I think you know a lot of people see um, the outdoor channel, sportsman channel, pursuit, whatever the people doing it online, and think, all right, how can I get into this? I love hunting. All right, um, I'm, I'm maybe at that age in my life, I don't really know what else I want to do yet. I want to hunt for a living. Yep. <laughs> so that's usually where the email comes in at. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get lots of the same questions. Um, and it's, it's a worthwhile question to ask. So I thought maybe today in this kind of different episode, we, we talk about that. We talk about maybe our own experiences, yep. maybe some recommendations for those out there that want to get into this line of work yeah. if at all. If it's a good idea, um, I don't know. Would you, given your experience in this now, would you recommend the idea of, you know, if someone was thinking about getting into the hunting industry in some way, would you say, yeah, it's a good idea or maybe not? Well, I think so almost every, you know, and I answer as many emails as I can and, and try to reply to everybody. And, and so usually what I say is if, and Mark and Terry have said this so many times, if they were to get into the industry today or, or if they wanted to, they don't know that they would because it's so oversaturated. It's a different, it's much different than what it was in the late eighties, early, you know, mid to late eighties. There wasn't hardly any industry. There was no industry. Literally it it was created. I mean, there was a few guys, you know, uh, doing videos back then, but there wasn't much there. And so things have definitely changed and evolved. And what, what I would say is if you want to get into this industry, I think you have to go into it don't go into a rose-colored glasses. Go into it with your wide, eyes wide open because you're not going to get into it and then just be Lee and Tiffany yeah. or Michael Waddell or Mark and Terry yeah. or the Shockies. Like, it doesn't just happen. And, uh, you know, those guys that are big names now, they started in the 80s and the 90s, yeah. you know, and, yeah, and, and, and late 90s. And, I mean, there's a lot of time and effort and in uh, like Michael's case, he was a cameraman forever, you know, and Jim Shockey was uh, a guide for the longest time and started videoing their hunts and stuff like that. I mean, Mark and dad, it was, you know, killing two year old deer, you know, which is what they had to hunt at the time. So it was a long, long road to the point where the people that they're, that you kind of 
say, okay, I want to be like that. Well, it was a long way for them to get to that point. So your real question needs to be how, how, what do I need to do in order to at least get my foot in the door? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I I think also it comes back to what you just said, the expectations too, you know, going into it, like you said, with with eyes wide open and realizing this isn't, you know, this isn't some kind of get rich type profession for the most part. I think Mm -hmm. my recommendation has always been, if you want to work in this world, it should be because you are just so passionate about it because you love it and because you love the process of it. Yeah. Not because you think you're going to make it and be famous, but yeah. you know, do it because you know, if you're, if you'd be willing and happy to do this work without making a dime or by just getting by, then you're then on maybe, the right then, path. Yeah, this could be for you, but don't, don't get into this. If you think all of a sudden it's going to be this just, amazing thing right out the you're going to be famous um, and you're going to be that's not why the people who have done well did it yeah really right i mean so i think uh, the outdoor industry is pretty oversaturated with tv shows and you know really because the camera equipment is so good now yeah uh and there's so many good prosumer level cameras it really doesn't take a lot to say hey you know and even uh laptops and you can edit your own stuff and like you can learn how to do all these things the one thing you you can't really just be as a great hunter and authentic and like that has to be real you can't really learn well you can learn how to become a good hunter but you know what i mean like some of that's just the reason why people gravitate towards certain people in the industry is because the, they're likable people in real life. What you see on camera is what they are in real life as well. Yeah. You know, another thing that's worth, you know, worth noting is that TV, like or being a, you know, on TV or video is not the only, it's the only, it's not the only gig in the hunting industry. That's right. Right. I mean, you manufacturing. could, you could be in the manufacturing space. You could be in media other than video. Writer. You could write, you could yep. podcast, you could photograph, you could video other people. You can, you know, start a retail business. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of ways to pair what you love with some type of way to, to make a living. Yeah. I've always thought that, you know, my when I think this through, I've always thought, you know, look at what you're passionate about already. Look at where your skill set is or what type of activity you think you've got an interest in and where those two kind of intersect. Then then double down onto that. Like, don't yeah. necessarily try to do what Matt does because I've watched Matt do his thing. It's awesome. And think, okay, well, I'm going to just copy that yeah that's not going to work you need to find what your sweet spot is where your skill sets are and then you can try to invest in yourself and learn and get better and and do your craft i always hear uh we got an idea for a tv show and it's never been done and i venture to say that it has been done and it was probably done poorly somewhere along the line like it takes a lot for somebody to be um to stand out from the crowd. Really, it does. Like, I mean, how many different ways can you show hunting? Right. There's not a lot of ways. So you better be really good on, if if your desire is to really be on camera, at first, what I usually say is you should try to work for a manufacturer, go to some trade shows, you know, learn, learn the industry because there's a business side to it. I mean, it's that, there's a passion that meets a business, you know? And so, um, Airtime's expensive. If you really want to be on TV, airtime's expensive. And so you got to pay for that. So you got to get sponsors. And sponsors get hit up every day oh, yeah. a million different ways from somebody that says, I got a show idea and it's different. It's than done. <laughs> and they're almost, um, it's almost like they're, they mute that. I mean, really. And then it's oh, yeah. unfortunate because I'm sure there are tons of people out there with great ideas, but you're not going to be taken seriously out of the gate unless you 
are funding it yourself, really. I mean, and there's some people that do that, and you yeah. kind of can see through that a little bit sometimes. I mean, no knock on anybody, but usually, you're, like, if you see a show and you're like, how does this guy get a show? Yeah. There may be, he may be funding it himself, yeah. realistically, because uh, sponsors drive our world, and, you know, a lot of complaints are like, ah, it's too sponsor heavy or they plug this or that well you know they they allow us to do what we do right. so i always say try to work for somebody or be a camera person for you know get on if there's a team you know jay gregory's staff or uh whatever there's plenty of shows that have staffs subcontractors and teams maybe try to get on a team first but nobody's going to take you seriously unless you have a reel of yeah pretty decent sized deer pretty consistently yeah yeah i mean i mean my story it kind of falls into that a little bit not not on the video side but i mean you know what i when i started wired to hunt i spent three years working almost every single day writing photographing working on the website trying to improve things every single day for three years before i made a dime um, I think a lot of people think that they're going to start right away and then make a bunch of money. Yeah. And it's going to be great. And no, it was just a grind. I, mean, I was working a full-time job. And people that follow Wired Hunt know my story, and it's probably boring by now. But, um, but you know, I had work my day job. I'd come home, have dinner with the girlfriend, and then I'd work all night. And then I'd wake up at 4 in the morning. I'd work in the morning before going to the day job. And I just I loved it so much. And I was so – I believed in this idea so much that I, that I kept going at it. I think if you if you had that kind of – excitement and drive I think it's definitely possible but I think yeah. you need to have you need to go into it with expectations that it's going to be a grind it's going to be a lot of work whether it's video whether it's going to be your own business or your own product or whatever it's going to be um, it's not going to be easy but I will say that it's at least from my own perspective and experiences it's so worth it if you really do love that stuff because yeah. um, you know being able to get up in the morning and do what we do and, and enjoy that I mean that's something that not a lot of people can say that they do yeah i like hearing your view and perspective of it because it's a very real world current situation i mean it wasn't all that long ago no, right no. what four or five years ago that yeah it? i mean i started the website um in the fall of 2009 well i really oh, so i started a little bit the summer before that but i really dove into it the summer of 2009 and then for three years like i said didn't make anything yeah. And then in 2013, fall of 13, I quit my day job and went full time with it. That's a big leap too. <laughs> it was. It was. It was scary. You gotta be pretty confident that you're. And I, I envy people that have that kind of determination and passion because once you make that leap and you know you got bills to pay, and yeah. you like most of the people I know in our industry have a different day job, right? right? Like in the video side. Right. And um, to say that you're going to do it for a profession, I know a. a guy that um is from our hometown and he wanted to be in this industry really really bad and um he finally got a job and he loves hunting and he loves you know he loves the outdoors and he you know shoots his bow all the time he's he's your typical person who wants to be in the industry and what did he do he worked his butt off until he finally got a chance to get a job in our industry and he's working for um a marketing you know like a basically a uh, publisher, not publisher. I'm trying to think what they do there. Uh, kind of like a, an agency, so to speak, I guess. Cool. And so he does a lot of copywriting. He's working on catalogs for other companies in the industry and going on photo shoots. And, you know, he does, yeah. he does a, a lot of stuff in our industry and it's kind of given him the ability to try, you know, take the next step in our industry and get another job. And, you know, it's like, you got to start kind of as a grunt almost 
and work your way into it, right? Yeah, definitely. It's, so. it's a foot-in-the-door thing, and to your point, so much is relationships, too. Yeah. I mean, just with any any business or mm-hmm. industry out there, if, if you're able to meet people and help people out, sometimes yeah. people are going to help you out, yep. and different opportunities <clears throat> are going to arise. But, but this is another thing that I say all the time to people when they're talking about, you know, I want to make a show or I want to make a podcast or I want to make a website or whatever. Mm-hmm. I always talk about, um, you know, once you decide whatever the thing is you want to do, do it like create go out there do the craft make your thing shoot your video or write your articles or take your photos do it a lot do it a ton work at it get better and then share it i mean always be putting it out there get feedback you know do your thing put it out into the world and then meet people and if you do those three things a lot and if you keep working at that going to trade shows meeting people doing people favors helping people out when you can every once in a while they'll be able to help you back out if you do that those three things over and over rinse repeat yeah um that leads to opportunities yeah mark and dad talk about it a lot they wouldn't be where they are today if they hadn't been given advice and opportunities at the right times in their in the company's history you know there's been a few certain people that have really helped them to where they are today by giving them a shot um a little known fact: Will Primos actually named our company. I forget oh. what I forget what it was, what they were going to call it before it became Drury Outdoors. Uh, but he, it wasn't the name Drury wasn't in it. He said, you know, we need to. Uh, he said, no, always have your last name in it. You always want your name to be in it. And so yeah. they called it Drury Outdoors from there. So Makes just sense. little things like that. And that was you know late '80s. And then uh, Toxie giving him a chance uh, at Moss Yoke. And then um, there was a guy by the name of Sheen Ray who <clears throat> was kind of a crook, it turned out, but he gave them the start as far as telling them how to put together a video and the, about the rental shelves, which is where we got our start renting out our VHS tapes to rental, you know, little blockbuster <laughs> mom and pop type stores all over the country. So there's just little things along the way uh, that's kind of helped us where we are. And I, I always try to you know, those were days before I was here, obviously. And so I always try to keep that into perspective as say somebody comes and and has a great idea or wants something and you don't want to not give somebody the time of day. You want to try to give everybody the respect and because for them, it's the most important thing they got on their mind, their idea. You know what I mean? So if you can give them a little bit of advice or, or, or maybe put them in contact with the right person, because like always we get people emailing us like a new product they're designing or creating and they think it'd be great for the industry and sometimes they're great ideas but we don't actually manufacture anything right you know so i usually try to put them in touch with a sponsor where i feel like maybe if you teamed up with so-and-so that might help you you know they might purchase it from you or they might bring you in or whatever so um i think getting a break is a big part of it just getting a break yeah and and to get a break you got to put yourself out there yeah and 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 if you don't have something to put out there (laughs) like so anytime somebody says i want to be on a show and i'm like send me your reel and they're like i don't film (laughs) you (laughs) know you know how do i know how good you are until i could see it you know so to your point yeah i uh you know another thing that i think is a little bit of a myth in the hunting the outdoor industry whether it be hunting fishing anything is that people make money just going out there and hunting all the time mm-hmm. right i don't think there's almost nobody mm-hmm. out there who hunts for a living i think uh, anyone in the hunting industry is hunting to some degree but they're doing something yeah. around that revolved around that so mm-hmm. i'm kind of curious if you'd be willing to share you know it might be interesting for people to hear what our actual jobs are like because some people might say that 
we hunt for a living or in the hunting industry, yeah. but what does that actually look like for you? Yeah. For so for what's the, your day to day? Yeah. For the most part, I mean, day to day is, uh, you know, come to the studio and, and work all day and go home and, and it's an hour drive to the office an hour drive home. And I mean, the, the day to day grind is, is sitting in front of this laptop and answering emails and phone calls and talking to sponsors and our team and our production staff. And I mean, the hunting side, I, it was funny the other day somebody put up one of our staff members put up on social media a picture of the, the four of us mark taylor uh um terry and myself and it was from a recent photo shoot and somebody said on there um this should be titled matt works while everybody else gets to play <laughs> and i said well if they didn't play if they weren't so good at what they did i wouldn't have a job i mean my job is not hunting at all you know so i it's almost i always feel like I connect with your average guy a little better because I'm working in here all the time. And right. if I get out, it's going to be an evening hunt here or there. And I just wait till the weather's right. And it's at a lease that's suspect at best, <laughs> as <laughs> we've talked like <laughs> a lot. You know, I wish I had a better spot, but it, it allows me to get close enough to home. And that means close yep. enough to home is 45 minutes north of the studio and an hour and a half from my house. So yep. It's, it's, it is what it is. I, I love doing this, but me being involved in the hunting industry has very little to do with the hunting itself for me. Right. You know, I'm turkey season's coming up. I might get two days to hunt, Oof. turkey hunt. And wow. I love to turkey hunt. It's my, by far more favorite thing to do than deer hunt. Wow. And, and, but I'll be there two days, probably yeah. opening day. And it's just the reality of it. Cause there's so the business side of it, somebody has to attend to those affairs and realistically Mark and Terry and even Taylor, they're good at, at each thing they do. And the, if, if we're going to maximize each other's abilities, my best ability is to be here at the studio. Mark's is to be on his farm. Terry's is to be on his farm. Taylor's going to be at Mark's there or, you know, working on our social media for yep. ours. You, you try to pinpoint everybody's best ability. Yep. So in your case, what's your daily day look like? Yeah, I mean, a lot, most of the years like yours where I'm, you know, get up in the morning, deal with emails, deal yeah. with social media, um, writing articles, recording podcasts, recording videos, editing podcasts, editing videos. I mean, it's a lot of desk time. So it's... Yeah. It's very similar to, to a lot of people out there working a, an office job. Um, but, you know, what I do have is, one, the content, the stuff I'm talking about, writing about, reading about, whatever, it's related to what I love. So yeah. it's about hunting in the outdoors. So that's a blessing. And then number two, what I do have now, I do have flexibility. So I do have the flexibility that, you know, because I'm very fortunate to have my own company. Yeah. If, I, if a cold front rolls through on November yes. 5th or October 20th, I'm going to be in the tree. Same here. If it's turkey season and I want to come in late on the mornings, yeah. you know, I can do that. If I want to work from, you know, from my camper somewhere else across the country, I can do that. So I've got that flexibility to live a lifestyle that I want to live. Um, and that's what mattered a lot to me. So I'm not making a lot of money. I'm not going to be big, rich, famous, anything like that. But I'm able to have a lifestyle that means a lot to my wife and I. And I'm able to do work that I think makes a difference and is, like, meaningful to me. Um, and that's like a dream come true. Yeah, that is. Um but it's a lot of it's work. It's rare. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but it's rare to find that where you can, I mean, you got to be really driven to make that work for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you still got to pay bills. Yes. Like to do all those things, whatever you're doing, even if you're passionate about it, it still has to be somewhat successful for yeah, you no, to, to continue to live that lifestyle. Yeah. You know, it's so. Just, it's a matter of how bad do you want it. Like, that's right. How badly do you want that lifestyle or that freedom or whatever it is? And I think a lot of people want it. 
but they they say they want it, but yeah. they don't they don't want it so much to risk the fancy car or to risk the comforts and you know the stability of whatever income they have right now. Yeah. Um, or you know, not everyone is in the position where they can take that kind of risk. I understand yeah. that, but there's some people who talk a lot about, oh, I wish I could do that. Wish I could do that, and they can. They just aren't willing to sacrifice going out to eat for a year, or yeah. they aren't willing to not buy the big new truck. Yeah. Um, it comes down to choices, and everyone's in a different place. But I think there are people that, if you're willing to make the sacrifices and and go in, um, it's worth it if you if you love that enough. I agree. Uh, so you know, my situation's a little different. I obviously was born into this. I mean, well, I wasn't born into it, but grew into it, I guess, sure. because you know they started in. I was born '81. They started '88, '89, and I actually didn't really have the passion for the hunting side as much as the production side. Like well, I knew that I liked to do that side of things, you know. And um, when I went to college, that that's where I focused in on. What little did I realize is they had kind of Mark and Terry kind of set my path for me because I was helping them do EDLs, edit decision lists back in the. Um, linear days and now it's non-linear editing you can move everything around all all day every day but back then you had to create your edit decision list before you ever went to a studio because it cost you time and you know time and money there when you're at the studio because we didn't have a facility we were renting something to you know and had an editor there that we were using his time or whatnot so i was i learned at an early age how to do these edls and by the time i got to school i didn't even know i wanted to be in production by the time I got to school and just taking, I knew more or less it was in the creative field that I wanted to be. So I was kind of in art classes and gen eds and 3D graphics and yep. blah, blah, blah. And I once I actually took my first editing class, I realized that I was so far ahead of what the other students were because I was making edits on the fly. So once I learned how to work the program itself, it was fairly easy because I knew timing. And, yeah. and editing timings everything right. so that was something that set me down my path and i would then come back and work for mark and dad and summer breaks and spring breaks and winter breaks and all that stuff and mark offered me a job there my last break home before i graduated and i took it and never looked back and it's evolved into what i don't i don't actually get edit anymore or anything like that but um, it's evolved into what it is now but that set me on my career path even though i didn't have the passion for hunting like they did at the time. Like I had the passion for the production and the, the passion for hunting came with it later in life, right? So working here for five, six years, I ended up getting to start hunting again with da- dad and Mark and learned how to love it one more, you know, once right. again. Because there was a long time I never, I just didn't hunt at all. Yeah. Well, just So it, I mean, it kind of came full circle. But anyways, that's kind of, that's the ins and outs of, how to get into the industry. Sometimes you're lucky like I am where I had a very great situation to step into. Um, if you're not, you know, if you don't have that, don't know someone, I, you know, it just, it's, it takes a lot of hard work and determination like your case. But I mean, to, to some of the things you said, you talked about, even in my case, when I didn't have, you know, I didn't have family or anything like that, whatever small level of success I've had to date, has been in large part due to other people helping me still too. You know, people giving me a chance, people giving yeah. me a shot, people giving me advice, um, you know, doing stuff with you guys, doing stuff with other people, all those things help. And, um, you know, I think uh, 
always being aware of that and appreciative of that, that's pretty important. That's too. right. Good people so, find good people, yeah, right? No true. matter what you do in life. So very true. be a good person. That's our tip of the day. <laughs> there you go. So do we, do we, I mean, there's, we could talk about this kind of thing for like yeah. an hour, but we yeah. probably need to wrap it up yep. pretty quickly here. Um, so hopefully a few things there were helpful as far as our perspective on, on what we do in the industry and, and how we've been able to make it work. But uh, if it's something you're passionate about, I would always encourage you to, to chase that. It's uh, life's too short to, to just kind of coast along, yeah. do something you love and enjoy life because uh, just like that, it can all change. That's right. Grind it out. It's going to take a lot of work, but if you want something bad enough, you'll get it. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap up this kind of bonus 100% wild podcast. We'll be back next time with more deer or turkeys or food plots. A or good something guest. Good. A good guest. <laughs> Someone better than the two of us. <laughs> but uh, if you have a deer question or maybe even a hunting industry question, you could send it to wiredtohunt.com slash 100% wild. And you know where to subscribe for the audio version of the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. Anything, Matt? We have a lot of original hunts that never been seen anywhere before. So check them out. And as always, you can find us on social, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and DuryOutdoors.com. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Peace.